this is the Power Source Podcast, a place where I talk about old school games from a new school perspective. My name's Max, and here I have one of my co-hosts, Hirai. How are you, Hirai? How, Hi. How's it been? Hi. I, I'm good. Uh, this is a little short notice, but I'm glad to be here. That's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little, um, I am a little uh, behind on schedules. It's actually, uh, I'm actually behind one podcast, so I've got to do that another day. And make sure I get oh, caught yeah. up. Yeah, I'm... Oh. Teacher, if you're hearing this, don't 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 worry. Um, but today <laughs> we're gonna... out, bro. <laughs> don't worry, but don't worry, don't worry. Listen, no. But today we're going to talk about um, a topic in gaming that's kind of always been around, but has gotten a little bit more expansive, like recently. Um, and it's a topic I find very interesting, which is the idea of choices in gaming and how that maybe changes the narrative or influences the world or changes the player's experience. Have you ever uh, had an experience with these kind of games, Hirai? Of course. Um, always and forever. Well, not really. Um, but I do tend to find myself, uh, for whatever reason, one or another, drawn to games, uh, you know, sort of like that. I'm very into the... Um, the role-playing aspect of of games like that where you know you get to choose what your character says and then sometimes that affects the outcome yeah that's always something i've always kind of found interesting in gaming and that i always liked similar to you i've always liked it but there's always there's a whole there's a brand new world out there it's a whole lot of options. yeah and, and you know it, it it's it's um i think that's what makes games their you know own entity it's it's really is a part of what you know what makes games their own entity of media aside from you know uh, books and television and movies is the interactivity and why you know we as as people as the video game playing public fucking sorry I keep forgetting <laughs> you used up <laughs> one swear we get one um... per podcast <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry it's okay <laughs> no I'm gonna do it I think that's why we as the video game playing public like we like to play video games because we like to imagine ourselves in those situations and we think oh this is what you know you watch a horror movie and you think oh if i was in this i would do i would do something else i would totally do this thing instead of that thing but then you're in a game and then you you're presented with the chance to actually do that to actually you know take the story into your hands somewhat Yes, absolutely, and and we've we've talked about this before in the podcast about why like video games and movies as like mediums like don't exactly work like you can't translate between them. But now we're going to talk about what makes video games so great. Um, and also, I'm just going to say now I I mixed up the order of the questions. I'm going to do where did it come from first, and then I'm going to do the next yeah. one. Yeah, I wrote it wrong because that doesn't make sense. So where did the idea of like choice based gaming? <laughs> Also, you said you said video game playing public. You can just say gamers. You gotta admit it to yourself. Um, Shut up. <laughs> uh, so where did they come from? Um, I think like I didn't do research on this, but from where I understand, like kind of the oldest or one of the older uh, versions of this is something like a choose your own adventure book, uh, which was very much like oh you know if you make a choice and you kind of get to see the outcome. And though there is only one kind of correct ending there's a bunch where you die. And so that was kind of, I guess, giving readers, and not gamers this time, but excuse me, giving readers the ability to kind of 
make their own decisions within a book, which I guess was pretty interesting at the time. And uh, wow, I think, I think if you were t- if you're if you're looking at it from the perspective of something like say a visual novel, I think that that's not far off. You know, um, it, it, it's a a kind of a game where it's like you're presented with more or less you're reading a story and you're reading you know dialogue that your character says and then you're reading dialogue that other people are saying and then you get like a few sparse moments to like uh to make a decision and then that puts you on a completely different branch and then there's lots of there are objectively bad endings which if we're going to continue in the case of like visual novels there's bad endings where like say you die or there's gooder endings where it's like you're alive, you're alive, but you didn't quite make your goal. And then there's like a a, a a true ending or like a best ending or whatever. And it's like, you did it, you accomplished your goal, and you got the best outcome possible for the scenario, right? Yeah, and it's like, on I top think, of that... But also, it, it, it uh, may also come from... Uh... Well, I'm going to let you say what you were going to say first. But... Oh, no, yeah, I was just going to basically... say... Yeah, like... choose your own adventure books, right? There's There's bad endings, there's neutral endings, there's good endings. But I was going to say the whole idea of, like, a lot of the time in programming, you can't just make completely different outcomes. Because if you do that, that's a, a lot more. That's just so much that you might get two completely different games because of one decision is that kind of thing. So a lot of the time, it usually just, like, influences it as kind of like a branch, right? So it's like yes or no. And then no maybe makes a character dislike you, maybe makes it so you don't get a certain item or whatever. And then you kind of continue on and you join in at the middle again. And then you make those yeah. choices. So, like, fundamentally the story is the same. But maybe the way that maybe a character reacts at the last minute or the way that maybe another, like, a, maybe the way you're able to act changes. And so it, it kind of, yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, I would say that that's how the... Def- in in the Choose Your Own Adventure books, like, obviously, that wasn't the, the, the choice. Yeah, yeah. That, that wasn't the case. I would say that the, the more... That's what the more, like, modern uh, take on, on uh, choice-based games are essentially where it's like it's the same story all the way through but like you make a choice and it makes like a slight it makes like a slight difference and like maybe it leaves one character dead or maybe it leaves you know you make another choice and then that character is alive and then they can come back in the future and then die for you then whereas like oh you would have had to like make a really tough call or you could have died there um but then that character comes in and like helps you out or like sacrifices himself for you or something like that like like uh like a system of like karmic like a karmic bank almost right that that's what a lot of uh choices in in games boils down to uh if you if you go the choose your own adventure book route yeah yeah and well let's let's see let's let's move on from this but like have you do you, have, do you know what yeah. mud is do you know have you ever heard of a mud? um i mean I, I don't i don't uh it's not familiar to me the acronym it's uh, it's like it's like a multiplayer, um, it's like it's like a multi-user. Oh, what the f- oh, what does it stand for? I don't exactly remember, but it's like, I I looked it up specifically for this, and I'll, I'll look it up again. But essentially, it's it's this like, there's these huge chat rooms, and there it's no it's just they're just chat rooms essentially, but there's people like role playing and like following stories and kind of essentially just like an MMO but in text-based form, and like nearly everything is made essentially only by the players and like the economy is run by the players everything else is run by the players and the only thing holding them together is kind of uh like shared lore it's so, it's like a text adventure if uh it's like a text adventure if you went out to like a 
like a campus instead of playing it on a single computer. It stands for multi-user dungeon. I just could not remember for the life of me. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, that's essentially the idea. It's like it is just like an M- like a text-based MMO essentially, and it just it was kind of the precursor to those. And it had a lot of uh, a lot of them were, were very similar to um, like to D and D essentially. Like that's what a lot a lot of them were like based in. Yeah, and, that's uh, what I was gonna bring up earlier. Is that lots of the um, I, I would say video games as a whole um, are pretty. I think you could find their their roots trace back exa- almost exactly to to games like D anD D for the for the most part. I don't think Pong was inspired by D anD D, although <laughs> I need a source for that. Oh, um, but I'm gonna get you. But but yeah, when you know thinking about uh, things like like King's Quest um, and, and like old school text adventures. Uh, that are very, very much inspired by like you have a setting and then you and then you type in what you want to do and then you just do it. And then old, those old school adventure games are kind of coming back now with things like AI Dungeon. Oh yeah. But like that's really that's really where choice in games started is you would write something, you know, you would write a keyword, um, and if it didn't recognize that keyword, it would tell you you just, it would tell you I don't recognize that command. But uh, if it did, it would you know generate the next part of the story for you and that goes back to you know the i mean relatively uh, a human is going to have a lot more imagination than a low tech like a like an older end computer so like if you it's a little different from something like D where you're sitting at a table with humans with like working minds and imaginations and you say you know i want to uh it's like i want to steal the dragon's gold hoard and it's like, how do you want to do that? It's like, I seduce the dragon. And then you come up with a whole scenario based on whatever the heck is going on there. Yeah. But another a computer might not be able to do that because of those limitations in tech, right? Yeah. Well, back then, maybe now, who knows, right? Like, we're, I think we're getting to that point. Especially when you said, like, AI they're... Dungeon. Yeah. I would say AI Dungeon is, you know, extremely, extremely close to, to replicating that feel of, you know, being able to say whatever you want and then making that choice and then being able to see the actual real-time uh, imagination of that choice. But I think that the other um, the other end of that fork is budget, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you can only... You can, with something like a text adventure that you program yourself, you can uh, write as much, much dialogue as you can fit into your disk space. Um, that that's the reason that that Morrowind was is so you know well beloved these days is right it's you write you write so much text uh, even though it's an older game but uh, they limit you in you know the amount of choices that you can make because now lots of studios have to account for uh, voice acting budget and um, how much how much of the the script writers budget they're gonna pay to like write all these different paths. And the coders and the modelers and whoever has to make these things, right? Yeah, with the evolution of like games, like in terms of quality, like which visual quality or just how good run the like how good the code runs, um, you also have to the, you know the price goes up, and then having a lot of different options makes it expensive. Um, and to uh, to move on to the final point of point number one, because <laughs> just because we've got three points here today, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it but like lot not oh i can't speak today non-linear level design which is a little bit of a 
a newer kind of more no, not exactly new probably in the last maybe 20 years but more experimental i guess yeah and it's just kind of this concept where there's not only one solution to a level and this is kind of less right. of a less of like a directly like your choices matter and more of like a you can do how do you want of, to go about this yeah how do you want to go about it like you get to kind of choose your path and so that's it i've seen it in like platformers and also more open world games like uh you know like skyrim and stuff you can kind of go pretty much wherever you want and so yeah, yeah it kind of allows for that you, freedom. you see it all the time and it's usually boiled down to maybe two choices two or three choices because they're they're like well we have enough budget for two different routes uh, which one do you want to go? Do you, it's like, it'll be like, oh, you, we have a heist. Do you want to, you know, go in guns blazing and like, you know, go through these he combat heavy segments and like be fighting a lot of bad guys and whatnot? Or do you want to take a stealthy approach and then like be, you know, testing more of your, your cleverness and finding these points that you have to, you, do you want to play a stealth game or an action game? That's usually what the choice boils down to. But you can also yeah. have things like, do you want the peaceful option, the violent option? Do you want... Um, it's basically, you know, these red and blue choices, essentially, that just determines not the an outcome of the story in most cases, but rather uh, what, what level you're going to play, what kind of game you're going to play today. Yeah, and it's more about the user's experience itself than it is, like, how the game ends. Because a lot of the time, they just have the same ending regardless. But maybe the way your character, like, reacts maybe might be different. And you kind of have the satisfaction of, like, you know, knowing how you acted and kind of building a character onto your character. I'm thinking directly of, of Star Wars The Old Republic because that's all I've been playing. <laughs> and I'm thinking of, like, uh, how that game, you know, maybe doesn't have... It has non-linear level design because you can go wherever you want to like achieve a certain goal. But like how a lot of the choices is are like, for example, the Sith Warrior has a kind of you know dark side choices and light side choices, and that is very you know black and white, like completely starkly different choices, right? But like, you know, it's it's easy to kind of make that dis distinction, especially because it'll tell you like this is a this is a light side choice and this is a dark side choice. Yeah, and it so, straight up tells you in the old Republic if you're gonna make the evil choice or the good choice. Like you get a few seconds to determine that for yourself. Yeah, and it's like you know, not not, it's it's such a clear distinction. And so at the end of the day, the events are still the same, and you still have you can't like outright refuse to do things if you're like, oh, this is out of the goodness of my heart. Because if you're so good, go be a Jedi, you know. But it's like that kind of it's that kind of thing right so it's like you still yeah. you know hit the same story beats but maybe the way you react and the way maybe your companions will react to you or the way other npcs will react to you will be different but um that's something i found really interesting about a game like that that i had never played before because it just wasn't yeah. a thing and then there are uh i mean there are lots of different routes that um that offer you all these different kinds of choices based on what class you play like if you want to play you know a really classic hero you play as a jedi knight uh if you want to play as like a like a classic evil villain you play as the you know the evil sith guy but if you want to do like these more complex uh these more complex stories of like you do you want to do a lot of stealth do you want to do a lot of intrigue do you want to uh contemplate war crimes <laughs> i've been told that the uh the republic troopers um story has a, a lot of tough choices Although I imagine nothing that um, really affects you long term, in your story lo that long term. 
Yeah, because it's like there are like I'm I you know I've got two characters. I've got the you know Bodhi who is like a Jedi Knight, and then and a Natural who is like a Sith warrior, right? So they're two very like you know very like oh hero villain characters. But I like to play them kind of the opposite of what they are, just because I think that's so interesting that it's giving me this option to be cruel as a Jedi or the option to be kind as a Sith, and I'm like oh this is so Star Wars. And it's like, you know, kind of knowing that regardless of what happens, I'm going to hit the same ending is kind of, it's a little bit like, oh, I wish there was kind of more to it, but it still kind I, of leaves I, me with the satisfaction of knowing that I got to be as kind as I, as I wanted to, you know? And I think that that um, hits on another, uh, I mean, the, the role-playing aspect of a role-playing game yeah. is that you're coming up with a personality for your character that, like, you know, even though you're part of the the evil empire and that you're a Sith and that for the most part you are doing these generally, you know, evil things and, like, you're on the bad guy's side, that you still have the opportunity to, uh, you know, to be kind. My, my uh, Star Wars character that I have played the most as is my Sith Inquisitor, uh, Ix Lavana, and she is, she her thing is that she... I mean, she does take light side opportunities whenever she can. And because I, I say that because I think she was pressed into being a Sith against her will and that, you know, her personality up until that point generally would not have allowed for these Sith-like things. But, you know, as time goes on, she becomes tired and more desperate and more willing to take those dark side paths. And, you know, you can you can play that out when you play the game yourself. And it does not lock you out of the story. It just lets you define your own character, right? Yeah, and it's so satisfying to be able to, like, you know, like, for example, the the Sith character I play is, like, like he's kind as much as he can unless he's in front of, like, somebody he knows will, like, judge him for it. So, like, some, like a higher-up, like, his, his, like, master or, like, another Sith, right? And so it's kind of that sort of like, oh, you know, I'm trying to be a good person, but I'm in a system and I kind of have to, you know, do the things I have to do because of what I have to do. And it leaves you with a really, oh, it's so satisfying to like, it feels really satisfying to me at least to just be able to be kind and then just, but also then to kind of have to make a choice. I, this is, I'm not even speaking coherent words anymore. But what I mean to say is that being able to make choices and still knowing that you're going to reach the end of the story is really satisfying. Yeah, like that like it, it it really does have this like minimal impact on like um um locking you out from your from your story and uh and then when you reach your ending, like when I reach the Sith Inquisitor ending, um rather than having been, you know, evil all the way through because I feel like if my character had been evil if, if I had been making the evil choices all the way through, um, and then I get to the ending, and then I, like, ascend to the, the, the Sith Council or whatever, then that's a story about a person claiming, you know, their, their right by power, you know, becoming this conquesting machine. But then, if I have a character who starts light side, and then over time is still mostly light side, but is making these darker choices, then it is a story about corruption to some extent. It's a story about, you know, somebody who started out incredibly, you know, innocent and then then became, you know, something of a of something of a monster along the way. And that's like even so if she cool. is still kind when she can be. Cause like it gives you 
because like the the character dialogue. Well, the first of all, the character has no personality behind what you give them, so it gives you a ton of room to like make to truly make it your own character, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But also, listen, this is and a side you get note. to choose your approach in a lot of cases. Listen, listen, this is a side note. You do have to listen. We'll go back to this. The Sith, the Sith, the male Sith warrior voice is first. First of all, the writing is awful, and the voice acting is the voice actor did listen an okay job but every time i hear the character speak i'm like oh my god because he's british but then he'll just like it's literally like a line of dialogue where he goes so, so, so they're like they're like oh did you do the job and then he's just like he's just like no need to be concerned i've killed her parents and it's just like who wrote this <laughs> who wrote this hey, um, you know what it also reminds me of a little bit though and this is something that I have a little bit of an issue with when it comes to, like, Bioware stuff specifically. Um, but you can see it in, like, other games as well. Uh, is, uh, <laughs> there's a great skit by ProZD where it's, like, choosing an option, you know, for your character to say or whatever. And, like, a bunch of the options are, like, these, like, out- these, like, outrageously, like, aggressive things. And then the, the Y option is, uh, you know, the top option is, hello, right? And... Uh, and and he presses hmm, why? Because he's like, I want to be nice. And the options, hello, I'm gonna kill your whole family. Yeah, yeah. So you it's can like, never tell like when your character's gonna be incredibly aggressive. Sometimes it's so awful. I wish, so, I like, wish you, that it would tell you. I like you. saying that, like, oh, you get like you get to choose your character's like personality, and yet still sometimes the voice actors. And the direction will change. Will choose your character's personality for you in certain statements. Yeah, like this last thing, which like I've killed a parent. Literally, the option was like, so, so, so the master, the Darth Barris, is like, it's like, did you complete your mission? And and the option was like, was like, what did it say? Was something? It was something like, like I've done what needed to be done, or like I did what needed to be done, and then I I did this, and it was like. No need to be concerned. I've killed her parents. And it's just like, <laughs> who wrote this? Who wrote- it was like such an arrogance that the character absolutely does not have. And I'm just like, oh, I wish it would just like tell you exactly what it's going to say. Because it's because I just- At least so- uh, in, in a game like Fallout, right? Uh, they have like very limited options. Like for every character interaction that you have where you get to make a choice in like Fallout 4, you only get four options, right? <laughs> and- and the you know the up down uh, left and right, but at least it's like consistent with like what tone each of the up down left and right is, and you don't have to guess how your character is gonna say it. Like oh, if I press the left option, they're always gonna be kind of sarcastic, and if you pr- I press the up, they're always gonna be asking a question, and then down is negative and right is positive, and it's like yeah, it's super limited and not that great, but at least I know what I'm getting. Yeah, like I like in in the old Republic, it, sometimes we're like. If it's like a certain action will come along with like, uh, like a, a verbal choice, it'll say it in brackets like flirt or kill, you know. And so it's just like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those are the only two I've seen. And if it's kill, it's accompanied by a dark side icon. It's like you. This is how you get bad boy points. <laughs> Sometimes it'll be kill and it won't even have a dark side icon on it. It'll just be like you just get to kill them. Oh my god, this is a ridiculous game. Okay, we're gonna move on to the next point, um, which is kind of sort of linked to what we were talking about, which was about the illusion of choice or the reality of choice. And if our right. choices in gaming matters. So I want to talk about Detroit Become Human since I'm going to be honest, I liked it. I really liked it. It's got a lot of issues, but I really liked it when I played it. I didn't play it. I, I watched somebody you, play you it. specifically only listed Detroit Become Human here when I, I feel like I need to point out 
that this is not an issue that started with Detroit Became Human. Rather, I feel like Detroit Become Human was the um, the climax of um, this this growing crescendo of uh, what's it called? Uh, what's the company called that makes them? David Cage's thing. Oh, Quantic Dream. Quantic Dreams. It's kind of the culmination of like what Quantic Dreams has has been at its core always. Uh, Quantic Dreams is we want to make movies into video games. Yeah. It's like, we want to make a movie going experience. You know, something like um like Heavy Rain or uh, Omicron or Beyond Two Souls. Uh, and it's like yeah, we're gonna make a we're gonna make a movie. We're gonna have it fully motion captured and whatnot. And we're going to have, like, the extent of the gameplay is you get to walk around, pick things up, do some quick time events, and make choices. And that, like, that's fine. I'm not criticizing it for being, like, a bare-bones gamer experience. But it is definitely trying to be a movie with multiple endings. Yeah, you can you can be good at Detroit Become Human if you can button mash really quickly. <laughs> like, like, the, and some like at any Quantic cool. Dream game, to be honest. Some people can't, but sometimes, you know, you, uh, it's like, it's like every game, you know, that's extremely basic gameplay. So like you have to rest your, uh, your accolades essentially on the quality, the strength of the games, one visuals and two writing, three performances, right? And if, if you can knock it out of the park with all three, you've got the best game ever. Uh, but it may age poorly depending on how good the graphics are. I listen. I like the graphics of Detroit Become Human. I think they still hold up pretty well. But I mean, um, Detroit Become Human didn't didn't just come out pretty recently. By recently, I mean we're filming this, filming, recording this in 2021, and the game came out in 2018. It is, you know, it is it has climbed its way to the top on the mountains, uh, on like a mountain of you know giants that came before it, that did a lot of heavy lifting in terms of technology and. Uh, motion capture and modeling and texturing and whatnot. And, you know, I will give it credit. They did a good job with the, the modeling, so I have to applaud the uh, the people who worked on the game. They did, because they, like, um, they, like, did, like, uh, they took scans of them, I believe. But they also didn't make it look, like, uncanny. They did, a, I think, a really good job at it. And actually. I think a, an interesting... We're getting a little off-topic about the, the choices thing, but, like, the last thing I want to say is I think they did a I mean, they went in a good direction for it because if they're like, uh, we want to make a game about androids, and then knowing that your human models aren't going to look always completely correct all the time, they removed the pores and, like, skin flaws and imperfections from the android characters. So they look smoother, and they look just a little bit too perfect, and I think that that in a video game, you can get away with that. I think that that, you know, worked. It's not immediately noticeable, but if you go back and look at it, uh, it, it kind of, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I see it now, but I didn't notice it the first time around. But, like, um, so about about the choices, right? Like, this game was, so, I like, you know, Quantic Dream has made other choice-based games before, right? But the Trip Become Human was, like, really big, like, in terms of scale, because well, first of all, it had three protagonists, so those were, those were three like. Well, Heavy Rain really had four stories. protagonists. I didn't play Heavy Rain. Heavy <laughs> Rain had four protagonists, but Detroit Become Human had three. That's that's fine. I think you know 
If you're going to have an ensemble cast, uh, you can consolidate your resources that way. I do think some characters were weaker than others, to be fair. I'm looking directly I do. at Kara. I really do. I'm looking directly at Marcus. Um, I, think Mar I think Marcus got the short end of the stick, really. He did. The actor. I forgot, I forgot what the name of the actor is. His name was like Jesse something, but he's always so attractive, but I'm not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> I've got okay. to hold it in. He is. Listen. Anyways. But it's like he did. His writing was really... Ooh, and I heard that David Cage, specifically, that like... Um, I forgot what the name of the actors were, but like the, the guy who played Hank and the guy who played Connor would often try to like uh, improv some stuff. And that was a lot of what saved kind of their story. But that David Cage really... Like the guy who, you know, made Quantic Dream, made Terry Become Human, really didn't like that. He would be... He was actually against them, like... Uh, what is it called? Improving certain bits of yeah. dialogue. And it was just like... Well I think that that, I mean, that, that speaks uh, a lot of volumes about uh, David Cage's uh, artistic character, I think, is that he is, he's this guy who, who envisions himself as a film director and not somebody who's leading a project of, you know, dozens, sometimes hundreds of people uh, in, in creating this, this collaborative thing. And he thinks it has to be my vision all the time. You know, I want my name on, on this thing front and center, stamp it there. I want all the credit. Film bro kind of, you know, you'll do what I say or it's not going out kind of thing. Very yeah. controlling presence. Yeah, from what the, I've heard. On the project. But on th that's not me even speculating. That is that is uh, from the mouths of former employees. <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Dave, um, David Cage and Quantic Dreams are in some hot water right now, but we're not getting into that. They're not doing good. But uh, here's the thing, listen, about the choices, right? So uh, the way I found it like really interesting is that sure there's a lot of the similar like story beats that we talked about before, where maybe regardless of a choice, it's gonna happen. But because you're playing from like well, one angle, Marcus, that is ridiculously important to kind of the whole story, and then Connor, who's essentially Marcus's direct opposition, and then Kara, who essentially just was nothing. Um she had no yeah, Kara is a completely different like Kara actually I think has the um No, I would say Connor has the most choice for his, the ending of his story to change. Mm -hmm. But uh Kara I, I realized that Kara has maybe three or three three or four different ways that her story can end. If she's not dead, she can be in three different places. Um Connor can be in in I think two two different places by the time his story ends if he doesn't die. Uh, but Connor can also die in, in about a dozen different hilarious ways throughout the story. Yeah, but he comes <laughs> um, back, and that's an important thing. Anyway. Is that even if you mess up, which is like, if you mess up as Connor, it's it's not a very hard game. If you mess up, it's kind of your fault. Um, if you mess up as Connor, that's that's a given. If you mess up as Kara or Marcus, their story ends there. Yeah, and that is, I mean, that. that is the thing. But also, but Marcus... His story can really only end in one place, right? And yeah. that is uh, in the middle of a of a riot. Like Kara, I don't give, I don't really care about spoiling these games, but you can put up spoiler warnings if you want. I'll write it in the description. Kara you know, can, you know, Kara can. Her whole thing is that she's trying to escape. Uh, she's trying to escape with the little girl and you know the small found family that she's created. I say small found family. There's three of them. You know that that she's come to love, and she can either you know she can escape to Canada in you know one of three ways, but she can also just not 
she can escape to Canada in one of two ways, but she can also get caught, and then they end up in a android destruction camp, and then it can end there, in the in the dump, essentially. Yeah, but then it's also that whole thing where so, it's like your choices as Marcus or as Connor, well, mostly as Marcus, affect Kara's story. Because it's like, if if the android, like, if people like the androids, then, like, you know, yeah, hashtag spoiler warning. If the people like androids, then, like, maybe the border guard is not going to be so negative about you being an android and will let you pass to Canada. And if he isn't, then he'll be like, guards, you know, get this, get this, you know, thing, yeah, and then they get it's you. it's like, it literally comes down, Mark, I would say Marcus's entire, like, storyline really comes down to influencing a single moment in Kara's storyline. Like, that's most of the impact of, of Marcus's storyline, is that if you want all three of them to make it out, like, Marcus has to be super peaceful and, like, and, and like, make public opinion of the androids go up, and then the border guy looks at a TV screen and makes a split-second yeah. decision. It's like the, the like 12-plus hours of gaming has culminated to one second. It's just like, that's it. To one second, to one guy that you don't even know, that has never been a character in the game up until then, a random Canadian border guard looks at a TV <laughs> and is like, are the android riots going to make me uh, uh, sign this, these, two, these, these android people to their face? Am I going to call people with guns on them right now? And the it's... answer is, and the answer is, was Marcus the good little liberal? <laughs> don't, don't say it. Listen. <laughs> listen. No, listen. <laughs> Here's the thing. Can, Here's the thing. You can cut that out if you want. I won't. It's really funny. Here's the thing. <laughs> Only, like, one other person I know other than my teacher listens to this, but stays in. But here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. It's like... There really is, like, I, I do think that Connor's story, and people are like, oh, Connor, like, everybody likes Connor so much, and nobody else cares about the other characters, because the other characters were bad. Connor, like, I don't know if, if, if it would have been better if they just focused on one character or just two, like, just Connor and Marcus, and then made their stories more, like, a, like, a, a choice Connor makes affects Marcus, and then affects a choice, like, Marcus makes of Connor and kind of back and forth like that. So you have to deal. We had to include Kara because Kara was in the tech demo. Yeah, but like you know, hashtag feminism, right? Yeah. But like, no, I know. Like, make Marcus a girl at the end. It's not like just make Marcus Kara at the end. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. How hard would that have been? You know how how much better Marcus's story would have been if if it, he just merged it with Kara. If it was just like you know, Marcus has a little girl, and then or like Kara Marcus whatever. Just just put those two those two stories together and just make it one. It would have been like easier, I think. But like, you know, it's it feels like a lot of the time your choices like don't matter. Like sometimes it feels like like you want it to matter, and it feels like oh, you know, you, you know, Connor dies, or you could die, and then your story ends there, and it's done, and then you have to go back and replay a bunch of stuff, and it like want to makes you f wants wants to make you feel like your choices matter, but they they really don't in the end, and it's just like yeah. Because the consequences of your actions are so, like, bland, you know? Like, there's nothing to them. At, le at least on Detroit Become Humans part, I don't like giving the game credit. But this is where it's due. At least the choices do change major aspects of the story. 
because, you know, sometimes you can make a choice, you know, you make a choice as Kara to go in a certain direction, and then she will end up in a certain place, or certain characters will be uh, present or absent from her storyline, and, you know, there are, there are whole different branches. There's like a branching systems uh, thing to this, there's a branching path system to this game, and, you know, they let you see it from the menu, like... They're like, okay, if you made this choice, but then if you had made the other choice, maybe something else would have happened. And you basically, you, the more you play through the game, the more you collect those. Uh, yeah, but I think that's so ridiculous. I really don't like that, actually, as a game design choice. I really didn't like that. Like, letting you see what, what like, if a choice here would have led you to something else. Yeah, that's a little yeah. silly. Like, letting you see that. But in, pra in like, theory, like, not in theory, but, like, in the idea of actually having major set changes tied to certain decisions uh in marcus's story marcus is ha has um is, is an android who is a caretaker for an elderly man for for lance henderson um and he is a very at the very beginning of marcus's story he has a choice to make that if he can push push over uh lance henderson's son if he pushes him over or if he does, if he doesn't, and he just sits there and he takes a beating from Lance Hendrickson's son, Lance Hendrickson may or may not die of a heart attack on the spot. And if he does die early on in the game, you do not get this um, scene with him later on, where Marcus, when he is now like the leader of the Android Revolution, goes to visit Lance Hendrickson in his like hospital bed in his house, and like have this touching you know moment where it's like. You were always, you know, a, more of a son to me than my than my own son. And it's like you miss out on this whole moment if if you if you don't push over Lance Hendrickson's son <laughs> at the very beginning. But don't, it's like, but it's like that would be fine, you know, if it didn't like give you that option because like I mean give the option to see it I mean because it's like if you never knew that moment exists like this is just like real life if you never know that moment exists how can you feel like you missed out on it right like if you as Marcus like are maybe fueled by the death of your human caretaker father I don't remember what the character's name is I don't know what the character's name is Lance Hendrickson Lance Hendrickson if you if you're maybe fueled by his death and like kind of awakened by the emotion that comes with that, then maybe that's, like, the weight that you carry as Marcus. And then maybe if you, if you know, he's not dead, but you're separated from him, and then you go back and you talk to him, then maybe that's a change in the way you perceive Marcus. But because, like, the characters have, like, a set, like, it's not like an RPG, right? Where it's, like, the characters have personalities, and you have to make choices for them. It, I feel like it's kind of limiting in that, and it's just, like, kind of like a, what would Marcus do? What would Connor do? And then it kind of lets you decide that a little bit, but not enough to make it like great, right? But it really, the Trophy Company really dazzled everyone with that kind of thing because it was just like, because it was really, it was kind of really good. Because it, it, really took good. The, it, because it took the sets so much further whenever you did make, get to make a choice. On the other hand, you would have something like, say, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of more games off the top of my head, but I can only think of one. And if you want to, if we want to segue into another, into the next segment, this is a good time to do it. Because all I can think of is Telltale Games. Um, and specifically, uh, Telltale Games, uh, their, their licensed Game of Thrones game. Oh, I was thinking of and The I couldn't Walking tell you Dead. why that that was the only one that came up in my mind. Was the Game of Thrones one? Because it felt like, you know, 
for all the you know the protagonists in in that game and for all of the uh alleged choices that you could be making in that game there were very few differences that were actually made like by um by by that other than you know sometimes some characters may die right as is the prerogative of these choice based games and something like game of thrones but the set pieces are largely unchanged you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I was thinking of the, uh, the Walking, the Telltale Walking Dead, because that was the one I was obsessed with, like, when it first came out. And, um, I was looking at it recently, where it's, like, it, it actually doesn't, like, ch the thing is, it doesn't, like, it'll show you, like, how many people chose this versus how many people chose that option. And that's interesting, I think. I like that it gives you a statistic of, like, what what people chose. Like, maybe you were an outlier, you'd be like, oh, you know, I gave, Tate chose... Like the the third option instead of the second or the, or the first one. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. And it's never like a like it was this the good option was this the bad option. This was just one option versus the other. Yeah, it just kind of showed you. But what I found out recently is that like sometimes characters like have to die at a certain point, and it just like sometimes your choices just depends if they were dying now or if they die later. But it's like mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's just like just one story, but you get to just kind of make very minor choices in it. And um, other than that, it's, like, not a huge, like, difference, right? It's not, like, a huge, yeah. like, like Detroit Become Human, where it's, like, a character dies at the very beginning and they just don't show up for the rest of the game. Which is, like, literally if, if like, Kara or Marcus die at the very beginning of the game, that's, like, one-third of the game gone in your first playthrough. And, and Marcus can, Marcus and Kara can both die super early on. Um, I think uh, Kara can, Kara can die, like without even leaving the house yeah i think in. the guy who owns her can like destroy her and that's it that's completely just it take her apart and like you don't get to play as kara ever for the rest of the game marcus can also die super early on during his revolution plotline but the revolution plotline still goes on it's just handled by a different person who who a different character from marcus's storyline who makes worse decisions than marcus yeah it's like what is it is it like uh north I believe it's yes, North. North, and she chooses violence. She is she is one hundred percent violence. So he it's kind of violence. So it's like that's the kind of the difference. I guess is Marcus is like your hashtag Android friends, which is I know it's North, and there's like the blonde one, and there's like another black character, and then it's Marcus, and then uh, basically like North is like in love with Marcus, and she's like. Oh, Marcus, I love you. We have to kill everyone. And you have to be like, listen. Yeah. <laughs> you have to politely say no. In Marcus's storyline, you get an angel and a devil character in your shoulder. It's so ridiculous. North, who is objectively the devil. And then you get, uh, what's his name? I don't I don't remember. It's not Simon, because Simon can die. Uh, some other guy with glasses. Oh, and that's he's like, Simon. No, violence is wrong. And it's just like, <laughs> so ridiculous. But it's like, I think what for me is that she's like so in love with you. And then, you know, she's like, oh, I'm not ready for this. And then you, like, still get into a relationship. And then, you know, she's still like, we have to kill you know, Marcus. And you're like, either. girl? You don't have a choice with that either. You have to get into a relationship with Nord. That's with, so... With North? With North. With North. I remember seeing people, like, say, why couldn't you also get into a relationship with Simon? And it's like, I think you... Yeah, yeah. You, 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 first of all, no da David gay. Cage is... Do you think David Cage will ever give you an option to be gay? No. Uh, second, I do think that that would have been funny in, like, a choice-based game is, like, you get the choice to, like, you ha to pick your own love interest. 
<laughs> you get the choice between a non-violent and a violent revolution, but not who you get today. Absolutely not. No gay no. people allowed. Everybody <laughs> has to be straight. <laughs> and listen, listen. I uh, I just I really like Detroit Become Human. I'm gonna keep talking about this, but it's like. I think one thing I really find interesting about Connor's route specifically is that if you die as Connor, you come back because you're kind of like, you're still, you're not like deviant. You're still kind of part of the cyber life company. You're, you're part of, you're, you're a tool of the machine or of the, of the system essentially. Uh, and anytime you die, your consciousness just, your consciousness just gets uploaded into another robot. And then, and then the number on your jacket changes to but reflect like, what model you are. But, but like what I every really time liked, your consciousness listen. gets updated, your chance to uh, your your chance to go deviant and rebel decreases because they're they're wiping those experiences. Yeah, and I really like that. I thought that was super interesting. That it's like you know every time he kind of comes back, choices are locked out for you, and it's like maybe it was a mistake. And I think you can still reach like. Like the hashtag good ending or like the, the more like whatever, like normal ending. If you die a couple times, because you could still make like more deviant choices down the line. But if you keep dying, if you keep dying and dying, like those choices will be locked out for you. Because you don't have like the experience to be able to make that like choice. Because I guess a lot of the big, the big part of like the Android characters is that they're like, you know, they're sure they're robots, but they'll like learn and like react to what the humans do so, and that's kind of how they go deviant and then they have a single moment they have they all have a single moment where they it's it's either symbolically or literally um but it's chosen to be represented literally in the game where uh they will break through their um programming and catch something known as deviance and then they can spread that deviance like a like a virus like a plague yeah um it's like you know, yeah, how, but um... Connor has a oh. unique mechanic in that he does not go deviant if a deviant touches him. He has like meters of deviance that if he does things that are more compliant with his his mission and with the uh, the state and with the police, then he becomes less deviant. But if he goes against those programming, if he shows moments of like humanity, compassion, uh, and yeah, if he doesn't die a lot. He has the capacity to be deviant, to be more deviant, because he's processing that stuff. And, like, listen, I'm gonna, like, just because I genuinely like Connor so much, I really thought his story, like, because they really kind of blew it with the whole, like, androids are machines, and then also some weird, like, slavery metaphor, and then this whole, like, civil rights movement thing. But then also, like, yeah, the whole what civil makes rights a person human. Oh, you know, oh, but like they really kind of blew it with like what makes a person a person and like what makes us conscious and like th there's a lot of really interesting ideas that come with like uh, artificial they intelligence and robots and they blew it right. But I really liked Connor's like story because of how much he interacted with like Hank, who was a human being, and it, Hank's like hatred of androids and machines, and because he had to interact with somebody who was, like, was a person, he kind of got to learn from that. But then like. Oh, and then Kara, her story also was oh, so bad. Um, the ending specifically was really bad. It could have been so good. Okay, you know what? No spoilers. Not no spoilers. Hashtag spoilers moments. If, like, Alice, which is, like, the little girl that Kara is taking care of, the whole, like, the twist is that she she's actually an android also. Whoa. And ge that was genuinely one of the worst, like, things in the in the whole game. Gen yeah, like, no. Story-wise. Like... It, it completely invalidates everything that, that happened in her Kara story. It's like, but like, yeah, it's like, it's like, 
your Kara is making now the and the by extension the player is making choices for this android to protect and you know help and save a little human girl and like that's supposed to be a moment of like human android relations right and it's like it's like oh wow we can coexist together you know we can care for each other uh despite our despite our difference uh but then they just yank that away from you for for a stupid it's ooh, what a genuinely such but a bad twist it doesn't invalidate the choices that you've made up until this point because the choices are all things in the moment like do you sleep in a car do you sleep in a motel uh do you want to take a boat across the river uh to, to flee stuff like that you know it genuinely does but... invalidate it though because if car was an android this whole time she wouldn't be able to get hungry she doesn't get able to get cold she wasn't able to do a lot of things that, that influence your decision and if you knew that from the beginning if you knew that from the beginning and you were an android taking care of another little girl android and that's kind of its own story, then a lot of those choices might be completely different. Like you would, like, and like Kara's like, you know, I mean, Alice is like, oh, I'm cold. You just turn off her cold sensors and it's done. But because she kind of like kind of led you on and then the twist at the end, it was just kind of like, and what did I sacrifice all this for? Essentially nothing. And it's just like, I guess, yeah, you, that is the thing is that, um, a lot of, uh, choices in, in video games are, um, because of things like budget and uh, technology and the story and the constraints of a story that you want to tell, uh, the big topic, the big button topic when it comes to uh, choices in video games is choice and validation, right? Um, I think uh, Super Best Friends, uh, the Super Best Friends came up with a good term that I like to use now called arc nullification, wherein uh, a, you know, a certain a single moment can completely invalidate everything that a character has worked for up until that moment right yeah uh, and i think yeah that happens a lot in um in these choice-based games where something you know like the the ending will reveal like if if for example you know the ending is real like it's all a dream and it's like then none of that was real right and then none of these choices matter matters in the grand scheme of things or uh oh this character was always gonna die then why did i spend so much time time trying to keep her alive in the first place uh things like that yeah and that was kind of uh, and... that was kind of my main issue with that one but i'm gonna move on to the last point because we've talked about the trophy government for like 30 minutes now but like um so the question i wrote that... is, is oh hello Oh, but I, I was I was doing that to sort of tie it back into Telltale, but go ahead. Yeah, I think you cut out. I think I just didn't hear you, to be honest. No, I was I was just tying it back into Yeah, to the to the illusion of choice and and stuff like that. No, you make an excellent point, but I also think on my end you cut out and I didn't hear like half yeah. what you said. But um if you want to repeat it, go ahead. No, I, I think that uh it, it I was you know, tying it into this, this idea of uh you know, there's only, you know, so much uh, that you can do within a game, even if you're presented with uh, all the choices in the world. These are still choices that were laid out for you to you by other people, not choices that you made yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so, so the, the, the third option, not third option, the third point that I kind of wrote here is, I wrote that 
is there such a thing as true free will in video games? But that feels like kind of a stupid question because like the answer is no because everything all is coded. But I guess the more likely question is like, will there ever be such a thing as true free will in video games? And if you wanna, I think yeah, five minutes it, to I answer. Think it has, yeah, the only the only true question the the only way that you can answer yes is by procedural generation by things like AI dungeon which can constantly, constantly be uh, coming up with brand new things based on just its nature alone is that it was built to do something like that, to have endless games, to be able to respond in any way to any input that you could possibly have. Um, and that you can put in your, you know, you can put in your text adventure stuff and you don't have to have specific keywords. Where, you know, in old text adventures, you had to have specific keywords or else it wouldn't, it would say, I don't know what to do with that. But it, it, but you know, AI the but AI dungeons problem is it is procedurally generated, and that's good for AI dungeon itself because that's the whole appeal is that you're going to have these wacky adventures that like don't make any sense because it's put together from uh, the trained data of like a million people. But for a AAA game, uh, I think you would have a lot of issues trying to procedurally generate anything in a triple a game yeah no i think you make a lot of excellent points and i agree completely that it's like i think the only way that we'll ever be able to achieve like true free will is in something like like a mud you know like a like a like an mmo where you basically get to decide everything and but like with a as a multiplayer experience because at that point it's like people could run stories, people, like, and maybe your gameplay experience is not going to be ever, like, identical to anybody else's because it's completely based on human beings. Because, as you said, like, a computer can generate, like, wacky, crazy stories, but it's, like, that's not true creativity because all it's doing is just kind of, kind of grabbing pieces from whatever and trying to link it where it thinks it makes sense. And it's, like, that's great, but also, you know, not, doesn't always work out. And I think that, uh, like something like an like an MMO, but like completely, like, just complete with like complete freedom. Not like maybe like maybe the landscape itself is not randomly generated, but because everybody's kind of making their own creativity, maybe making their own quests or like setting their own their own storylines. And like now I'm thinking about it, this sounds like Minecraft. Um... So I don't think that there is uh, a a choice like a choice based uh like a choice video game where you can have something like you know mass effect where you are choosing from like a radial of options and then it changes the outcome of your story i don't think you can ever truly have something like that with like a with a single player game that has to have a start a middle and an end and a complete story and a budget and you know technology constraints and time and anything like that you can't have that in single player and you certainly can't have that in a video game with graphics uh, but I think that that is that that with things like like muds and AI dungeon, um, and even you know going back to D and D, it's about the human element, right? Mm -hmm. You're not just being presented with choice A, choice B, choice C, and then making that thing happen. You're given the option to write that in yourself, right? Got your own write-in candidate, you can put your own imagination to it, and everyone else can too. 
Yeah, and as a side note, this I was as I was speaking, I was like, this reminds me a lot of like, have you ever heard of that like a Minecraft server, like two B two T that was like an anarchy yes. server? I'm like, this sounds yeah. exactly like that because there's like storylines, not storylines, but there's like history that happens just because there, of the nature yeah. of the game, and it just kind of in, in terms of like different factions that uh, would naturally spring up, yeah, and then they and would like... have you know they would have these massive wars and massive projects they all came together for and then people would comb through it later and piece together the story of what had happened and it is incredibly epic and it came about naturally because of this huge collaboration i think minecraft is the answer to our to our question here <laughs> yeah. to be honest there is is there ever such a truth as a true free will in, in video games yes and it's called minecraft Next well, question. Yeah, next question. That's a wrap, I think, then, if we've answered our <laughs> question. Any any final words before we close off for the night? Yes, if you listened all the way through to this podcast, leave a comment with what the actual answer to the true free will in video games is, and we know that you actually listened. Yeah, Ben, teacher Ben, if, you, if you're listening to this, you have to uh, tell me on whenever you listen to it. Whenever you listen to it, you have to come the next day to class and be like, hey, this is what the true free will is in video games. And I'll be like, thanks. He's not going to do it, but he's like, he's not going to do it. The answer is Minecraft. The answer is Minecraft. Minecraft. That's the password. <laughs> All right. Peace and love. Thank you for listening.